Blog Talk Radio. Let me just give the first track at this, man. So, first of all, how shocked are you 
that we're gonna have a baseball season given that how much the the ML the the, the MLBPA the Players Association like balked at Major League Baseball's demands and uh, com- essentially the commissioner and the owners pretty much caving to them and you know settled for like for this about how salary they're gonna be paid and safety issues and whatnot so. How how shocked were you that we're actually going to have a baseball, albeit a very truncated for baseball season? Okay, here's how shocked I am, and it's a pleasure to be mm-hmm. back. Um, right on. I'm not even a big baseball guy, you know. Um, I probably don't even sure. start watching until the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. To hear the baseball going from the stalled negotiations where they were to their, they got something that they're about to go into action, it was like waking up and finding right. out there really is Santa Claus. <laughs> right. Right. So um, yeah. I, I guess, you know, it, I think what's uh, it's actually appealing to me, um, given the, uh, the, the shortened nature of the season, barring a massive outbreak of uh, COVID-19 amongst the baseball players, um, the shorter right. condensed season, um, you know, you just don't have those senses of the, those giveaway games, those nights off, you know? Right. And and that's the thing. I mean, every – I mean, it's like it's like college football almost, man. Like, every game matters. You know, it's yeah. not like you got a drop days in the summer anymore where you got, you know, 162 games and no one giving a damn about what's happening in, in late May. In early June, before the All-Star break, I mean, every game really matters. So you could start off like – you could be like the Baltimore Orioles and start off 12-2, and two, and all of a sudden you have a real good fighting chance of making the playoffs. So it's just it's, – it's, it's, it's going to be really crazy, <laughs> given that I think NL is going to have the universal DH. Um, so that's going to be exciting to watch as well, to be honest with you. So Dwayne – I know that we all we both said that we doubted that they're going to have like a – but, again, here we are. Both sides came to the census. I think the, the, the players got over once again on the, on, on the owners, being that baseball has probably the strongest union in the world outside of the NBA. Um, so, 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 basically, how much are you looking forward to a 60-game Sprint of an MLB season, man. I'm I'm looking forward to it. It's it's going to be interestingly weird. Um, the closest um, parallel that I have to it, of course, is the 1999 NBA basketball season where we had that truncated season yeah. um, due to right. the strike, where we we had like 50 games there too. <laughs> and, and like both of you guys said, you know there won't be any nights off. Um, it's going to be a complete sprint the entire way. The one thing, of course, that comes to mind in this area, of course, is the 50 game, um, the first 50 games of, of last year's season where the Nationals right. were 19 and 31. You know, you can't have a situation like that. You know, you, if, if you're one of these teams that uh, a lot of people have high expectations for, come on out and, and start balling early because if not, you don't have a lot of time to make up ground, you know. So it's going right. to be real interesting to see what happens. Um, the thing that I'm going to be more intrigued by is how they deal with ties in the standings. You see how that's going to be right. done? Because I have a strange feeling 
the closer we get towards the end of the season, there's going to have to be some interesting tiebreaker scenarios that may have to be placed, um, may have to be put in place. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's going to be the weirdest part. Now, my question is, do y'all know, any of you know, um, I heard they're going to be like, there were going to be pods, like, you know, like you're going to have like different locations, central, not kind of centralized, if you will, locations that the teams would play at. I think uh, they talked about having like, for example, the Reds and the Indians in one pod with the Pirates and I think with the Cubs and the Cardinals. And it's spread it out around like that. Basically, like combining both the national, national and American League teams. So have you heard anything about that, Dwayne or Trevor? I think they're going to be prods or have y'all – because I was wanting to see – I heard about it, but I wouldn't see if that was going to be – or first, given that they had like, like they have to report for screen training like next week. Um, the last thing, though. Oh, you go ahead, Previn. Yeah, go ahead, Dwayne. Go, go ahead, Dwayne. All right. Well, the last thing I heard, of course, was um, about a month, maybe two months ago, was when they originally came out with the whole regional play, and they were going to do pods like that. I don't know if there's been any um, change since then. I have a strange feeling it probably has, but um, yeah, I'm just waiting uh, to to see exactly how this is going to be done and uh, how they're going to end up doing travel. Oh, my God, this is this is going to be very interesting, especially if someone comes up ill with uh, the coronavirus. After reading the article with um, uh, Ezekiel Elliott of the Cowboys and him describing yeah. his experience with the, with the virus, I mean, he's fine now. I mean, I don't necessarily care either way, but he's fine now. <laughs> I'm just concerned about no, how... <laughs> of, of course, of course I was going to say it. Come on now, stop playing. Um, my, my, my concern is how this is going to uh, um, be played uh, out, uh, uh, pardon the pun, during this baseball season. Now, I understand uh, other sports overseas, they've been uh, been, been able to go through their season so far without any any um, situations as of right now, but we just had uh-huh. an announcement earlier today where a player for the um, the Colorado Rockies announced that he was um, he came down ill with the coronavirus. So it's I believe it was more very, than one. Well, it's more than one. See, yeah. look at this. So, I yeah, believe I'm, so. I'm, yeah, it's more than one. I'm, I'm more than one. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm intrigued by how this is going to uh, how the season is going to be played out. And also, whether or not someone just decides, you know what, mm, I don't know if I want to play this week because I don't want to take that chance of getting sick. And who might mm. be willing to do so? Mm. Yeah. And that's the thing, folks, because, I mean, I was looking earlier, I mean, that guy from the Rockets, I forget his name, but the star player, recently tested positive for yeah. COVID. And, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's also from like from the Rockies, and it's going to be more and more cases like that because again, you're asking guys, right, to to do the new normal, if you will. I mean, and also, you got what 25 guys in, in the clubhouse, and how many staff, like how many assistant coaches, and then you got the manager and all that. And I, I've read somewhere it's been that they're going to do like if one more than one person touches the ball after an out. They'll throw that. They'll throw that ball out. 
I mean, how, how are they going to do all that? I mean, it's just going to be so weird. And you know they can't have any fans there, right? I mean, I don't – I think it's going to be a fanless summer, um, and which is going to be very, very odd. I know guys want to play for the, lo- quote, love of the game. But it's going to be – you know it's going to be different without the crowd being set off, which is why I think it's going to be weird for the NBA come to come back. It's, all, it's almost as if – I hate to say this. It's almost as if it's going to be asterisk worth I mean, especially if you don't have all the guys playing. I mean, you know, you not to talk up on the NBA, but you got Avery Bradley talking about he's not going to play. And you might have more players. Lou Williams from the Clippers is leading towards not playing. Um, it's just, it's just going to be weird, but I'll say this. I'll say this. And being a Cincinnati resident, you know, I'm a Yankees fan, but a Cincinnati resident, Previn especially, um, <laughs> this is supposed to be the Reds' best year best chance of making of making some noise. They made some trades and acquisitions in the off season, uh, showed up their pitching staff, but strengthened their batting lineup. And of course in bad luck Cincinnati sports fashion, <laughs> we're gonna have a shortened season. Uh, mm. <laughs> it may not bear the fruit. Um but I mean You gotta look at the glass as being half full. I guess. Hell I guess. But I mean and, and also um I know, I know, Dwayne. You you a Braves fan, even though you a DC resident, and the uh, 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 the, the Nationals won it all last year. But how, it's going to be weird seeing a team like when little winning over thirty games and getting to the playoffs. It's going to be like weird. And you know, again, I'm all for diff, being different. I, don't, I mean, I'm just pretty intrigued by how they're going to do this with like the shortened. Um, uh, season everything, you know, everything's going to be much, much run at a much quicker pace. But, Previn, this is going to be a one weird-ass season, man, in the summer. One weird-ass season. And Well, um, with luck, it's a prelude to more weird weird seasons, if you're lucky. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Well, with the NBA, and I don't know about – I don't, still don't know about the NFL season, but I'm hoping and praying. But I'm just thinking tired of watching, like, old ACC games on the ACC Network from over 10 years ago <laughs> and still getting a hype over it. That's, that's, that's how much I want my live sports back. I'm yelling at Tyrod Taylor doing a Virginia Tech game. Throw the ball, man. And, of course, they threw the ball, but we all know what happened. But still, a game from 2009, that's, that's I want my live sports back, damn it. I know you all do, too, so. Again, baseball came coming out of nowhere this week saying they're going to have the season, so we'll see what happens with that. But uh, let's go on to why we're really on tonight. Um, like like I mentioned last week, Previn, um, I touched on like some movement within the uh, like like within HBC athletics in terms of of conference conference realignment. Uh, we were talking last week about how 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 like. Um, how if if, if 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 players at PWI schools want to make some serious noise about mistreatment and want to get things changed, to consider or at least make a move to well well at least consider rather um, HBCUs and that's how we came to stumble upon the HBCU discussion. Um, so we're going to mm-hmm. just follow that to a, a nice long podcast this week well tonight about the state of HBCU athletics basically. I'm pretty sure you and Dwayne read about or heard about the Stephen Cookman exploring their possibilities 
of Lindy Miak and, and where they want to go. I think the two main, the best options for them, for, for Bethune-Cookman, would be out of the SWAC or the Atlantic Sun. The latter because most of the teams in the conference are in the state of Florida, <clears throat> so they wouldn't have to really do all that traveling. But uh, first of all, like before we get really deep into HBC Flags as a whole, since we're near dear to the MEAC, where Bethune-Cookman is looking to, to leave, of course, and given that A&T is going to leave after this season to join Hampton in the Big South, what's what what's going on? What in your mind? How what do you see the MEAC in five to ten years, present, giving us right? Because that would just leave um, if if, that, if Bethune really does leave, that would leave I think the MEAC with what six football playing schools. So what what, what do you see the MEAC in five to ten years, present? Well, let me open up by saying um, there's also rumors abound that Delaware State is beginning to look around. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I picked that, up. I picked wow. that one up yesterday. Um, I think it was the Northeast Conference. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you know, we're already talking. Uh, I am not sure right now. For I thought they were CAA, but I could be wrong. Okay, right. I'm right, sorry, yeah, Scott. I did, uh, I'm sorry. I didn't hear your question, Scott. What was it? Oh, I was going to ask you, like, the, like, yeah, yes, it's, where's the University of Delaware? Is it in the Northeast or the CAA? Colonial, um, I think the, uh, Delaware's in the CAA, if, if memory serves me. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. All right I so know they the have been. Says, I'm not sure if they're still there. Yeah. So yeah, so, well, so yeah. So I mean, we're kind of looking at some real potential nail in the coffin, you know, scenarios here, um, and I, I, it's kind of like I said a little earlier. You know, you're trying to figure out what's the what is the positives if you know additionalists and you don't want to see a complete right. dissolution of the MEAC. And you're, you're kind of looking at some of the teams that's remaining. And, you know, what some people are saying is, well, in order for the MEAC to survive, those programs would have to drop back down to D2. And the, mm-hmm. the problem I see with that is some of the teams that were looking like they were the most financially strapped are amongst the teams that are looking to join these other um, FCS conferences. And I'm right. not sure how that affects their pockets one way or the other, you know. Um, but, you know, when you're looking at, you know, Howard is still MEAC, Central is still MEAC, Norfolk State is still MEAC, I don't think you're looking at schools that are looking towards going back down to Division Two just to get a conference home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so um, but, but this was, and I, I think that, and I hate to say this, but it looks like the MEAC's going to go the way of the Big East, the old Big East. Um, yeah. I think that a lot of teams are looking to leave. Or, and, and, and also because, you know, we, because of course, you had like two teams already on the on their way out. and Well, Hampton's already out, but A&T's on the way out. McDew's looking to be on their way out. Delaware's still there. were states looking to be on the way out. That's four. And, of course, Savannah State went back down. To D two, that's fine. Damn you. 
Uh, FAMU. Yeah. And what now? Oh, FAMU. FAMU. That's right, FAMU. You're leaving for the SWAC. So that's huge. That's a big attrition, bro. And I, I just it, – it's like – it's a Miyake it, it To your point, they're going to have to move down because I don't think they're attractive anymore. You know, which is why I think they're going to morph in some reincarnation of a super-ass CIAA or they're going to just disperse in the other conferences. But, uh, Dwayne, you want, I think you wanted to expound more on that last week, so you're going to get the chance to do so tonight, given that we have time, all the time in the world this time to talk about. But where do you see me after five to ten years, brother? Man, that is an interesting question. And I actually <laughs> just finished writing – an article about that too long ago. Hopefully it comes out, if not tomorrow, um, by Friday. Um, Right. First and foremost, let me go ahead and state this since he's on the line. Now, I knew of the potential move, but Previn was the one that called me days before North Carolina A&T made the announcement uh, about going to the Big South. He was the one that told me that the announcement was coming. So okay, I was like, "Wow, okay, this is this is big." And then for him to say what he said about Delaware State, um, I hadn't heard that um, volume around in a lot of circles either. So to to to, to hear Previn uh, being knowledgeable about that as well um, is not necessarily a big shock to me. Um, but to answer your question, what what do I see of the Big South? in the near future, um, first and foremost, uh, and, and I'm glad uh, Commissioner Thomas had to remind me of this, technically mm-hmm. the, the MEAC only needs six teams to stay viable as a Division One program. Well, the, 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 okay. the technical um, wording for that is you have to have six programs, six institutions, that have been members in the same conference for a minimum of eight consecutive years in order to have mm-hmm. a Division One program. And if either Bethune or Delaware State were to leave, that would drop it down to, to seven at that point, um, if, if, yeah. if my math is correct. Um, South Carolina State, Norfolk State, North Carolina Central, Howard, uh, Coppin State, Morgan State, Eastern Shore, that would be seven. Um, so if, if that were to happen, they would still be able to keep D1 status. Now the question is, of course, could they expand? And now there's been multiple conversations about potential expansion, um, the potential of, of, of picking up a D2 school or picking up a, 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 a predominantly white institution. But uh, as Commissioner Thomas also said within an interview he did just last week, of course, expansion mm-hmm. isn't an easy fix. It is something that would actually take time in order for that to happen. So with that said, I have a strange feeling that they're going to go ahead and stick to that core of remaining schools that they currently have and look to work with that until they're capable of doing expansion. Now, how will they do mm-hmm. expansion? There's so many different options in which they could do so. Um, 
I, I, I really don't see them dropping down to um, to a D2 level as of right now. Um, I, I think they okay. have to be in dire straits, and they don't seem as though that they're in dire straits, which is odd because, to me, it seems like the house is burning around them. But they seem mm. to be playing it cool right now as if they have a plan, but it's a plan that it seems like we as fans – and even the, the, the leadership at their institutions don't know what this plan is because they're concerned too. They wouldn't be concerned if they knew what this plan was. Am I correct, fellas? Hey, I'm concerned. Yeah. I'm concerned too as a fan because I don't want yeah. to see this conference fall regardless of whether or not A&T is a member or not. So, right. man, I, I'm hoping he has a plan. In my article, I wrote a couple of concepts of what they could do, um, and one of them is it's not necessarily out of the box. To give you guys a hint of what it is, Scott, you were kind of on point when you said that the MEAC could be like the Big East, and if they were to take the direction of the Big East – that would help them out in terms of staying relevant and potentially expanding um, the conference, but it'll be very interesting to see what they do within the next couple of years. Yeah. I, I, fellas, I hate to be the pessimist of the group here. Um, I just don't see – I just try to – I'm struggling to see how – that the MEAC can be at this point. I mean, if, I mean, your brand names are leaving or have left. Hampton, Anti is going to follow them to the Big South next next season. Sam Mew is going to go on to the SWAC. We'll, and we'll get to the SWAC in a minute. Um, there's a conference that's full of HBC brands. And and now Bethune is going to be wherever. That's a lot. That's a whole hell of a lot. I mean, if you like North Carolina Central, which I think is a, it's a, probably the strongest financially school left in the MEAC. I could be wrong about that, but if you if you if you're the Eagles, what the hell must you must be going through your mind right now? It's like it's like the. I mean, damn, I mean, if, I mean, if you're Central, you'd be like, damn, we we moved up to D one. To, to try and get with as no as I said try to get with A and T and other schools but you know yes okay and see your arch rival on the way out the door they may have I mean they can't they can't go back down because they're too strong to go back down they'll they lose tons of money but 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 uh, Previn what must two schools like like Central and South Carolina State be thinking right about now. Uh, it's got to be. It's got to be. Well, from the fan standpoint alone, it's got to be heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. Start with that because you know, as a, a alumni and fan, and somewhat of a traditionalist, though I you know kind of understand that you know the circumstances. You know, it, it's it's painful to watch. And um, what are they thinking about? Um. Those schools, these are some, you know, I don't know if I would call them big game, big money games that are leaving the schedule, but these are kind of big community games that are potentially leaving the schedule. 
and you're trying to figure oh. out, you know, football, basketball, track, but particularly basketball. You know, if you're looking at, you know, right. the Aggie Eagle rivalry, will that basketball game right. not be on the schedule? Probably. They'll probably still be playing basketball. Football, though? Of course. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's going to be interesting. So, yeah, so, I mean, you're looking at, you know, games that are, like, deeply rooted in the culture of the school, much less the culture of the conference. Um, right. Uh, it's it, – I think there's a lot of people just kind of holding on to their seats right now. You know, half of them are like, what's next? And the other half is like, I'm not sure I want to know what's next. Heck, yeah, about to say, they have to be – it's some scary times, man, if you're a fan of MIAC. And, again, you know, we're, we're Aggies, right? I'm, I know with the NC State for undergrad, but I, I got my graduate uh, uh, a degree from A&T. Um, so I consider myself an Aggie as well. But it's just, it's just weird to see what's going on with the MIAC. And it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Now, Trevor, what we touched on last week, and we'll segue to call it the HBC Athletics as a whole now. Dwayne and I got into some, like, uh, realignment possibilities in HBC Athletics. The first scenario is on HBC Game Day, HBCGameDay.com. Basically, the first scenario, which I think is a more likely scenario, is you're going to have a big-ass CIWA with some MIAC schools moving to D1 PWI leagues. Uh, predominantly white uh, leagues, uh, uh, that is, institutions. And so among those would be the Dion Cookman, we mentioned him earlier, moving to the Atlantic Sun, South Carolina State and Central, realizing that, the NBA, the, the, like the me after quote an old school NBA player, the ship be sinking, and then jump to the Big <laughs> South to join a and 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 Hampton and many others. Campbell University, High Point University, and the rest of them. Uh, Howard would will be jumping to the Patriot League to join Georgetown in football, and um, and that's 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 pretty much the, the the big ones right there. The others will end up probably going down, moving back down to D uh, two the to 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 swell to really swell the hell out of the, the CIAA. So. We, Dwayne and I talked about this last week, but Previn, let me get your thoughts right quick on the prospect that you're going to have more um, uh, uh, like HBCUs joining PWI leagues going forward. Unless it's the other way around where you have um, some movement from some of these um, either schools from Division Two moving up to Division One, looking for a home, for, even if it's temporary. Um, you might, right. you know, uh, I guess you just kind of got to keep tabs on, you know, how fast these PWI conferences are filling up. You know, I, um, right. one thing I've been wondering is what is the ceiling for a lot of these leagues? You know, mm-hmm. how many schools yeah. are they looking to support? How many schools can they support? I mean, you know, um, right. there's only so many places to go which is, you know, obviously a big part of the way A&T made their move. You know, there was an opportunity, there was a vacancy, but how many more vacancies does a big South have? How many more vacancies does a Southern Conference have? Um, right. How many vacancies does yep. the, uh, what did you say, the Sun, 
Sun Coast Conference. The, uh, the you know, A-Sun, yeah. The Atlantic Sun, yeah. How many, you know, so, you know, and there's other schools. PWI is moving as well into conference from one, one home to another. So there's only, again, there's only so many places these guys can go. Right. But I'm in your point. Oh, go ahead. But oddly enough, Previn, uh, to, to, to that point, um, uh, these conferences that, that have been thrown out there in terms of consideration, like the Patriot League, like the A-Sun, like the Big South, have actually had space for um, teams to jump to. The, uh, the, the Patriot mm-hmm. League, if memory serves me correctly, has 10 teams with seven programs currently playing football. So they have okay. space to add another football team there as well as another basketball team. Um, the thing is with the eight, the, the eight sun as of right now, um, they don't have football. So the destination for Bethune-Cookman going to the eight sun right now would be weird because with this moment, would have to be independent until they're capable of finding a football home. Now, the reason why I say for now is because this is something that I actually wrote within my article, is that the A-Sun is looking to join another conference to become um, a, like a mega multi-sport conference of about 20 teams. And what they're looking to do is, with those 18 to 20 teams, have it so that there's two conferences within one, and one of those conferences would be solely football. Now, that becomes interesting because the likes of uh, – Previn, these two schools are going to sound familiar to you. Kennesaw State and North Alabama would be joining the A-Suns version of a football conference mm-hmm. along with six other institutions. They're looking to have this eight-conference football team, which means that two teams from the Big South which oddly enough just joined the Big South, which is in this partnership because they're also in the A-Sun with the Big South to do football for right. a couple of years, would then subsequently <clears throat> jump to this football conference whenever this thing ever gets established. Now, their original um, start date was supposed to have been for 2022, but of course this was done in January before the whole coronavirus outbreaks happen. So, of course, there will be a pushback um, to this, but this is something that they're exploring and something that they have to be looking at and something that has to be coming up in conversation when they're talking to potential new members to come in, which could also potentially include Bethune-Cookman. It's kind of fascinating. Yes, it is. And the thing is, a lot of people... Well, I haven't heard a lot of people discussing this. And this whole super compass thing, the way that it's laid out sounds vaguely familiar. And for those that, 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 that do know what it sounds like, or if you don't, let me go ahead and remind you real quick, it sounds just like what happened with the Big East, where you had the basketball conference or the basketball teams or the, the, the Catholic Seven go ahead and stick together, and they kept the whole – Big East thing going, and then the non well the, the the schools that played football went ahead and started the AAC, and but yes the Big East and the AAC still kind of 
had some sort of relationship going, but what the A son is looking to do is kind of have something extremely similar, but they have more of a relationship as it pertains to basketball and also cross marketing as well. Mm-hmm. So this thing is deep so, with what's going on with the A Sun right now, and if Bethune Cookman becomes a part of it, or if some other conferences decide that hey, we want to end up doing the same thing, it's going to the college the, the, the landscape of college sports is going to become very interesting. So I mean, I'll get to like to to your point away in the next five questions. But to answer your question earlier, when you talked about, like, the capacity of some of these conferences, uh, to your point right now, um, the Big South, if you count the football-only schools, they have 14 institutions uh, right now. So you got the 11 full members, obviously Hampton's part of them, uh, as well as the ones that we know of, such as University of North Carolina, Asheville, Highpool University, as well as Campbell University. But they got the aforementioned Kennesaw State, North Alabama and Mama. So with AT coming on board, they feel they'll be they'll have fifteen football schools essentially. Mm-hmm. And I think well, Robert Morris is joining football in twenty twenty one, they're gonna have sixteen football schools. So Well yeah. So it's everything's about to be a big ass bubble that's gonna be burst. Actually not really, Scott, because all those teams in the big south don't play football. Robert yeah, Morris doesn't playing. have a program. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's some well, teams in the Big South that, that don't have football programs. As of right, right now, there are eight that do, and then you add A&T in that mix, that would be right. – I'm sorry, that A&T would be eight, Robert Morris would become nine. Yeah, so, so that would be nine. So, okay, okay, I, okay, I get it. Okay, I, I miss I calculated that, but so I guess there's some room, but – but, but Dwayne, going back to what you said, said about the A Sun having the big, humongous look at the form of a super conference. Now, do you? I think you told me this last week, but do you know? I have an idea who that conference, what that conference might be, that the A Sun might join up with, or is it still in the works behind the scenes. Well, the the one that they're looking to to join um, with is the I think they call it the Coastal. Collegiate Athletic um, with Sports Association, the, the the CCSA, and there's a bunch of small, well, a bunch of smaller uh, Division One programs that are in that conference. Um, okay. At, at this moment, I can't remember the programs that are there. Right. But um, they're also Would those looking. Those be the basketball arm that you spoke of. Yes, those will be the basketball um, programs that I spoke of earlier, and and they're okay. looking to add at least another six to eight teams to to go ahead and get this um, this multi sport uh, conference thing going. Mm. So, so basically, parlay that to um, another HBCU member, Howard, yes, uh, member Howard, uh, I should say. What does that leave Howard? I mean, Howard's looking at. I mean, Howard's like, okay, that's like the black, the black Harvard, if you will, or at least they 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 like to say that about themselves. But well, they're still a great school, obviously. But still, what 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 do you think Howard's sitting there looking at? I mean, they see Hampton 
getting more money in the in the uh, Big South as well as A and T because you know like Big South has a has a has a conference. I mean, has a uh, sorry, has a conference has a conference contract with the network that that pays them a lot of money. So what is what's what's going to be powered, Dwayne? And I and I kick it to uh, Preston after uh, after that. Um, I I truly believe that if there happens to be a disbandment of the MEAC, they might be looking towards the, the the Patriot League. I mean, it's right there in the backyard. Um, did they have openings for another football program to join the the conference? Right now, like I said earlier, they have ten teams within the conference. Only seven participate in football, so. It, it would be a great fit for them. They get a lot of TV exposure here. They would in, end up joining a mix of other local schools and, and end up getting involved in local rivalries if they were to do so. So that would be a yeah. huge um, plus for them to do that if the MEAC does this band. Yeah, I, I, I just don't. Again, I, I hope we're. I hope I'm wrong about this. I just don't see other schools joining, like one except if there may be D two schools want to move up, but I don't see other teams from other fellow FS FCS leagues joining the MEAC. I mean, am I being too pessimistic about that? I just don't, I just don't see at this point. It's kind of hard to say. I'm, I'm agreeing. I would yeah. agree right now. There is, you know, yeah. with the way things have looked in the MEAC, you know, from our standpoint, it just looks so unappealing. A year, year and a yeah. half, we don't know the fortunes of some of these other conferences. As we've seen, it can change fast. Right. Really right. fast. That's true, too. And um, That's true too. also, as we've seen, there's no shortage <laughs> of back-channel communications that's kept well under the rug for years, you know, um, it was a poorly kept secret about Hampton constantly trying to find another conference home since they left right. the CIAA. You know, the the MEAC was not choice number one for them. You know, um, yeah. So they and you know they were constantly looking for another place. Um, now the more I hear about A and T. And the Big South, particularly what the Big South, the Big South has been maneuvering. You know, they've been talking to a lot of people for a long time, and there's a whole lot more of that going on that we are probably entirely unaware of. That's interesting. That is very interesting. I'll say this, man. I think I I, I think the Big South is not in game for A&T. I I think the I think A&T is looking thicker, much bigger down the line. I look at A&T a lot like I do Appalachian State. You know, Appalachian State was FCS for many, many, many years. They dominated in football for quite a few seasons. And then they moved and they, they, they made the jump up to FBS level. And now they're dominating their league. <laughs> um, so, you know, the um, – what's, what's the name of that league that they're in? Um, I forget. Uh, Appalachian State. I think it's uh, – I, I think they're in the Sun Belt. Sunbelt, Sun, 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 Sun yeah, Sunbelt Sun Conference. Right, then the Sunbelt. So I think A&T is going to be on that similar um, – uh, hold on. It's, it's a similar um, 
trajectory. Um, I, like I think that I'm sorry, that's my son in the background. Uh, <laughs> I, like uh, I think they're on the separate on the similar uh, trajectory as as Appalachian State is because they're both ascending through their football programs. They parlayed their football program success to moving on to bigger and better conferences. So I don't know what you think about that, Previn, but I, I think that, and I mentioned this to Dwayne in the past. I think I think the Big South is not the end game for A&T at this point. My personal opinion is I'm inclined to agree. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I mean, I guess once you started down, like you said, this trajectory, you've, you've gotten on this course, you know. Right. It, it, it almost doesn't make but so much sense that the Big South is, you know, a long-term solution. I mean, that's, that's the way right. I've been kind of processing it. Um, mm-hmm. And, again, you know, that's stuff can change in five years. A whole lot can change really fast. Right. In five years, um, it you know you mentioned uh, the movement that you discussed at the uh, opening of the segment of um, you know we're, we're talking about a new trickle down basically right you know uh, right. players from um, these other major group of five and um, power five conferences uh, feeling uncomfortable in the current social climate and looking yeah. for new right. homes. Uh-huh. If not, and, and the thing is, even if a lot of these top-tier players don't move on to HBCUs, they're going someplace and displacing other players. And these right. other players are going to have to find other places to go. And uh-huh. whether, you know, these, they're these big-name four- and five-star recruits, you know, they're displacing three-star recruits, and they got to go somewhere. And those guys are good enough to play – FBS football. They're just going to play FBS mm-hmm. football someplace that's FCS for the time being. Right. Right. And well, those, yeah, so oh sorry. So yeah, I'm just saying we're the kind of, we could be looking at that that sort of matriculation where, you know, you're looking at a talent level upgrade, <clears throat> you know, in in a lot of in certain key locations that will basically uh, change the perception and the course and the way and how willing so many schools are looking to invest in. Do we really want to go to the next level? We think we can do it now. Yeah. You know what? I, I, I know you guys go to homecoming a lot more than I do because I still have been, like, with this, with, with A&T canceling the, their, their homecoming due to COVID, they'll make a 10 years and counting. That hadn't been the home, that hadn't been a homecoming. That's you know, it's ten years since my son's been born. So, so still, my son still has not seen a homecoming. But anyway, um, but I say that to say this: I do visit uh, normally two or three times a year to my parents, and we go back to A and T's campus to visit and try to like try to uh, uh, sell our son on the HBCU life. And so, going back there, I'm sure you guys have seen it too. A and T's got a lot of state money. And they're pulling yeah. that state money into more resources into their programs, like whether it's academically, athletically. I mean, hell, I mean, we've seen what you've seen what's going on at the Aggie Stadium. They got BB and T plastered over it. Um, mm-hmm. You also have like the uh, training facilities now. I don't know if you've seen the wellness facility there, that but that weight room looks like state of the art. The the actual um, 
uh, fitness facility for students even. So, I mean, that big, nice blue building <laughs> that's near uh, Corbett. And, you know, of course, a new health center and everything else. Not to say that A&T was dunk as it was before, but still, that makes it much, much more attractive than we've seen in recent memory. I mean, because let's face it, when I took class there as an undergrad, when you guys were there as an undergrad, when I was there as a grad student in the, in the late 90s, early 2000s, it 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 they look nothing like it does now. <laughs> I mean, people get lost no, no, <laughs> if they come back to homecoming. I mean, it it, it just is this different. It's just so different, which is great. But what what point I'm trying to say is is that A and T and Central too, might as well throw them in there. Out of the state of North Carolina, they have the actual funds and resources to be able to get, and and, the, and more importantly the alumni support to be able to 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 move up financially and gather themselves financially and make that bold move like Appalachian State did a few years ago. So that's why I'm thinking for if you if you were an HBCU with that much resources coming from the state, coming from alumni in terms of the support and everything else, the sky's the limit I think. If as long as it's managed right and I think A&T is managing it right. I think Central has been managing it right. I think that FAMU and Southern have been managing it right. I think that Grandma's been managing it right. Um, You know, I I just think that these schools, the first few schools I mentioned, I think think this next stop is not going to be the last stop. I definitely don't think the big stop is going to be A&T's last stop. So uh, we shall see. I'm going to offer kind of a – yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, 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 no. Yeah, I was no, going to no, say. No, gonna... no, you go ahead. Cause I was ramble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just going to say I'm going to offer kind of a cautionary statement in there in terms of yeah. um, alumni backing, um, where that uh, translates to the resources. Because the and, and Dwayne, I'm sure could expand even more than I could. The announcement of the mm-hmm. move sparked off a lot of conversation about the level. Yeah of alumni support, which I'm not uh-huh. going to go mm-hmm. into here. Right. But um, I am very closely associated with um, the president of one of the alumni chapters. Um, he, was my, he was my roommate in college for most of my time there. Okay. And um, he's been giving me a lot of feedback on exactly what is being given and versus what is, you know, what they would hope for. And what you're really talking about what they would hope for is still a kind of shockingly low number optimistically versus the relative of what you're getting. So when you say A&T is managing well, what you're really saying is A&T is managing a whole lot better than your typical HBCU has historically. Um, It's not really what you would hope or what you would need to see in terms of the alumni alone. And then when you start saying, you start talking about FBS level athletics, um, exactly. type athletics, the, the uh-huh. chasm is still, the chasm is still very wide. Right. Right. But that, that in itself is a whole different discussion. And that's why I'm in some state, you know, they, when they made a jump to the MEAC, years ago, a few years ago, 
and then they couldn't go through with it because financially they didn't think they they were they were where they wanted to be. But um, but 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 yeah, you 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 probably you said something about what touched what touched on something in me is that um, alumni support because I'm thinking because I remember when the hearing about Ante making the move to the Big South, I'm thinking, well, who the hell is going to be our um, ultimate opponent? How tough is that going to be to alumni? I mean, we're going from having a traditional MEAC rival to the prospect of having, like, Campbell University come in. I mean, no disrespect to Campbell. I mean, come on. It's not It's not FAMU. It's not Delaware State even. It's not Morgan State. It's, you know, it's a school that not many alumni, if any, are familiar, all that familiar with. And it's going to take a lot of adjustments. That's another angle Dwayne, that I know you we touched on before, but that's another angle that the powers of BAAP has to do some thinking about. Oh yeah, most definitely. So, but the the benefit to that would be this though, um, it, it, and, and it's more so a benefit to those that live in the Carolinas than for anyone else, because a lot of the teams that they would end up having to play within the conference are right there in the state. So they right. might be familiar right. with them. Some of them are neighbors of theirs. So like you said, the Campbells, the um, the High Points, um, of course, for those that live in the central to western part of Virginia, you got Radford out there. Oh, no, Radford's not in the Big South. What am I talking about? Oh, wait a minute. Yes, they are. Big South. They, I forget <laughs> about that. Uh, they're, they're not playing basketball. football, though, are they? Yeah, they're not, yeah, playing, they're not football. playing football. So, yeah. That's a whole nother monster. But, yeah, high point. Um, high point doesn't play football either. But for, for me, my personal attachment now, because oddly enough, um, you, you, you asked an, an Aggie what your rival would be. Of course, everyone says Central. For me, living here in the district, it's Howard. Because, of course, I'm legit right here in the backyard of Howard. So, of course, that's who I have to hear from most. That's who I have more of an association with or against. So that's what I would always get hyped for to see. And, unfortunately, I won't see that now. Now, oddly enough, this new turn-up for me, and it's going to sound weird to you guys, it's going to be Charleston Southern for me. Because, of course, I used to live in Charleston, worked in Charleston for three years. I legit lived about 15 minutes from campus. I am highly familiar with the program, have seen them go through their ebb and flows. So that's going to be the program I'm going to most look forward to them playing against. But it's probably going to end up being the lights of High Point, being that they're right outside of Greensboro. But to to your point about it, that's what what I'm thinking the new rival would be. But, you know, it's, it's all going to be about who the fan base gets attached to to, to, to play because the thing is this, yes, there are a lot of alums and a lot of current students that are tied to the fact of having rivals within the MEAC. There are a whole lot of us, especially traditionalists, right? But you have a nice contingency of us who are like, next man up, let's go, let's beat them. I don't care who you are. If you are in our way, we're looking to run you over. I don't care. I don't need to get up to beat someone in particular, I'm just getting up to beat whoever is next. 
I don't care. And that's the type of enthusiasm I'd like to see and I'm looking forward to come 2021. But to an earlier question that you had, Scott, in terms of what the MEAC needs to do in order to be attractive, now, unfortunately, one of the major reasons that Hampton, A&T, and Florida A&M, well, actually, and uh, Savannah State, um, if you will, all decided to leave was for financial reasons. And three of those schools, Florida A&M, A&T, and Hampton, all came out and said that travel was an issue. Now that means you need to go ahead and attract schools that are going to be within your the the reach of your core that you're looking to keep and make sure that that's not a problem for your new program. Also, something else that is an issue that Ford A&M came out and talked about was the fact that, hey, in the SWAC, we have the ability to control our own multimedia and our sponsorship stuff. That's something that they can't do in the MEAC. Hopefully, Dennis Thomas, you're listening to this. That means you need to go ahead and allow your programs to have autonomy as it pertains to advertising dollars, sponsorship dollars, and their multimedia and how they broadcast their games. I'm I'm hoping that you're listening to this, uh, Dennis Thomas. Please, please. Also, the other thing that is a huge issue to me that at least the SWAC is working on and that the other FCS conferences currently have, including the Big South, is a network deal. Now, yes, A&T and the MEAC, they were able to have games aired on ESPN3, but because of the type of contract that the Big South has with ESPN as opposed to um, the MEAC and the SWAC, you get more games for more sports broadcasted on ESPN through the Big South than you do with the MEAC. Hey, Dennis Thomas, you need to be listening to this. You need to go ahead and correct that because that's the only way that you're going to attract, especially any other program from the FCS level to come to your conference because that's one major thing that they currently have that the MEAC does not have and they're going to need to change in order to attract somebody else. That's the only way that's going to happen. One last thing, Dennis mm-hmm. Thomas, and, and, and mm-hmm. actually, um, God, John Grant over um, with the Celebration Bowl, I'm going to need you to go ahead yeah. and get ready to, to make a hell of a pitch come December because the one thing that I'm concerned about is the future of the Celebration Bowl as well. You know, one of the things that some people have been concerned about is the number of attendance and the number of viewers that have that they've had over the past couple of years. Now, I will say this. In the earlier years, there was nothing to compete against the Celebration Bowl, and their viewership numbers were up. In the past few seasons, they've had to compete against other bowl games, and unfortunately in 2019, they had to compete against that monster called the NFL. I don't care who you are, college football, baseball, NBA, hockey, uh, uh, boxing, uh, 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 late-night bump fights. I don't care who you are. <laughs> you are not beating the NFL, dude. And it's unfair that they had to do that this past year. So I'm going to need someone 
within the MEAC to be cognizant of that and take that over to the Celebration Bowl, in the, no, not the Celebration Bowl, take that over to the ESPN and be like, hey, in order for this game to survive, we're going to go ahead and need to go and, and, and have it so that it's not competing against what one other, other bowl games, even though they were capable of beating some, and also not competing against the NFL. But, of course, that scheduling was something that the NFL did last minute this past season to, to have that Saturday game to, to, to kind of mess that up. One last thing. I'm tapping on the mic again one more time, Dennis Thomas. Uh, Charles <laughs> McClendon, McClendon <laughs> he threw it out. the one thing that, that, that he's doing that, that you're not uh-huh. doing that was a huge draw for Florida A&M is that football championship game. That BS I've been given for years from coaches and staff members from various universities and the MEAC itself that the only reason why the MEAC does not have a conference championship game for football is because they didn't have 12 members. Hogwash. And I'm only giving you the edited version. Hogwash. Because the SWAC does it, and they only have 10. The SWAC also had the liberty of – I would also remind you to say the SWAC was not tied to the uh, SCS playoffs. Exactly, yeah. And the MEAC was. And the MEAC did not want to extend the schedule to allow for a conference game. Now, the question I always wondered was, well, how come we're not starting a week earlier? That's one, yeah. Nobody answered that question either. See, so, yeah. But now that they're not tied to it, you know what? Hey, I mean, they're still trying to get in that large. And the conversation about the at large, oh, my God. Dude, (laughs) that's a whole other conversation for another time. The only thing I will say about that real quick is hopefully the likes of A&T no longer being in the MEAC kind of helps that out a little bit more next year in terms of being an advocate for HBCUs, but that's another conversation for another time. (laughs) But I will say this. If you're going to continue to send your champion to the Celebration Bowl, it would behoove you financially to have a championship game and to have it at the home location of the team with the best record because it is That's what paying I was getting ready dividends to ask you. for the SWAC. It is paying huge dividends, and it is insane. Yeah. Matter of fact, Florida A&M, they threw that in their presentation as a reason why they should go into the SWAC. Matter of fact, what makes it even funnier was they kind of, if you maybe it's just me and believing that FAMU was being cocky, but they kind of chalked that up as money gotten. Like, we're going to win the football championship, so we're going to get that money. And they kind of chopped that, added that in there as potential revenue for uh, annual revenue for them. I, 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 if, if y'all threw that in there trying to be funny, I caught that, fam, or maybe it's just me being a <laughs> hater thinking that y'all did that. Either way, Dennis Thomas, you need to be paying attention, dude, because they're looking like geniuses right now, and you're Uh wondering why everyone is is, is drastically exaggerating, or not even exaggerating, but but drastically thinking that this conference is going to implode. Something needs to be done. And then real quick, to your point about A&T as it pertains to the Big South, don't just focus on football. The great Previn Taylor told me this. Hey, 
the reason why Hampton moved over to the Big South is because it helps out their women's basketball team in terms of seeding for the NCAA conference tournament. That is something else A&T is also thinking about when they moved over to the Big South, as well as being able to compete on a national level and a conference level in other sports, especially as it pertains to softball, baseball, baseball. Volleyball, volleyball, and the new monster over there in Greensboro, the track and field program. That is something mm. that Earl Hilton has come out and said verbally. That is a national level track team that they have right now. I completely agree. And it, it is. is something, There's no two ways about it. And it is something I don't know what Dwayne Ross is giving them boys in cups right now, but I want to taste so I can be able to run that fast right now. But um, I know that that will never happen. <laughs> yes, that's, that's the other thing. That track and field team, that's the next thing that's about to blow in, in, in Aggie land right now that, that you need to be paying attention to that could also be a way that they move out of the Big South. Because the Big South ain't nothing but a big revolving door. If you go ahead and look at right. their history of the programs that have come and gone out of that conference, you know, when people said uh, moving to the Big South is a lateral move for some sports, for other sports it's going to be a boost. And hopefully A&T gets that boost. And if they get that boost and the things around them don't look right, then you know what? Do what you did with the MEAC. Move on. Right. Yeah, I hear you. Well, speaking of Florida A&M and the, and the SWAC, uh, we have a few minutes left, so let me just get right to it. Again, we could, we could have several parts in this alone, because we could have at least three parts on this, <laughs> on this subject. Um, <laughs> one, no other sports league starting not, and stopping. Um we talked about in the past some HBCUs conferences having their own network, having a having a black sports network through ESPN. Cause ESPN seems to have the most interest right at this moment. I think with the revolving door that's now the MEAC, and it like seems like leaving the MEAC, I think the next best thing, the actual the best option, would be the SWAC, given that. That's how big it is in football. I think the one you mentioned that uh, they have, as far as FCS attendance for football, they're by far and away the best. It's the SWAC, uh, yes. more so than most of the PWI schools that are on the FCS level. Um, even like the great like North Dakota State and the James Madison, very successful FCS schools, FCS football programs. The SWAC outdraws yes. a lot. So yes. they so basically, SWAC is not hurting for money. They're not hurting for support. They have, and the reason why I think another big reason I think is because you got the, they have something that only most successful football conferences, college football conferences have, and those are brands. Grambling is a brand. Southern is a brand. SAMU is a brand. You know. If you talk to any person who does not know a damn thing about HBCU sports, as far as in-depth knowledge, they will know who those three schools are. They just do. Whether it's through the Deep Bayou Classic on NBC every season or with FAMU's marching band. 
they know what those three schools are. They knew they know who those three schools are. So that will help the swag immensely. If they were able to decide, and again, I don't know how the leadership is. The way you might know, Trevor, you might know too, but I have an idea. But if I were at membership, and once I get FAMU in the fold, and once and, and, and once that still gets going, I would pursue a conference network with ESPN or Fox Sports, whoever. And I would be so, so aggressive with that because, again, you have, as a swag, you have the Wayne, other conferences to a kill to have, and that's more than one national brand. Uh-huh. And at least, again, grambling, ask one of my white brothers and sisters. They will know, they will know who, turns out they will know who grambling is, they'll know who southern is, and they'll know who family is. Especially Grambling. They all know who, like, like who Grambling is. So those are brands that they have. And that's not to take away from Alcorn State that sent the late great Steve McNair, Mississippi Valley State that sent the uh, great Jerry Rice, Jackson State that sent the late great Walter Payton. These are, these are, great, these are great football programs. And, they, again, they draw very well. The, the, the fans and alumni support them very well. But again, they have a sophomore that the SWAC has brands, and especially if to say like a school like Tuskegee, if they wanted to move up, that'd be a natural fit for them. The SWAC would be a natural fit, and you have another brand because a lot of people know who Tuskegee is. So, Dwayne, that I think that the SWAC has the best chance of these, even the smaller, even the FCS conferences, of getting a, a big, a, a bigger. Not big per se, but bigger conference uh, media contract because they got the brands. I completely agree with you, and, and and that's the thing that makes me so upset as it pertains to the the multimedia and, and the broadcasting contracts that both the MIAC and the SWAC have had recently with whatever distributor they want to deal with as it pertains to broadcasting their sporting events and the lack of, of, of numbers of, of their programs in which they have aired uh, throughout the year. And, and the thing that bothered me most is if you look at the blueprint of, and I must go ahead and say this now, and it's going, it's, it's going to sadden me to say this, the old MEAC, and I, what I mean by old MEAC, I'm also <laughs> including A&T, Hampton, and Florida A&M, even though Florida sure. A&M and A&T are still there for another year, the cities in which the and regions in which these programs were in are high. Uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, high TV viewership uh, 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 areas. DC is a is a is, uh-huh. a, is, a, is an area. Um, the Raleigh Durham <laughs> area, uh, Charlotte. Tallahassee, um, Baltimore, in terms of numbers of of viewers that live in that area, um, they they could have taken advantage of that in terms of advertising dollars because these schools have high alumni bases and they're located in those regions. I don't know why uh, the the, the MEAC commissioner didn't take advantage of that as it pertains to coming up 
with um, a, a TV deal for the conference. I have no idea. But like you said, being that those regions have great brands and they also are in nice areas in terms of Dallas, um, I'm sorry, not Dallas, but Houston, um, now Tallahassee, um, the Baton Rouge, New Orleans area, mm-hmm. they have some uh, in, in, in Jackson, Mississippi, in um, Birmingham, Alabama, those are nice areas to go ahead and, and, and have high viewership numbers there too. And then, of course, being that these schools are national brands, the fans outside of those conferences are going to watch, especially, especially the uh, the classics, the Bayou Classic, the Magic City Classic, um, the, the the game in which Florida and them and Southern play in. So all of those games, <laughs> if they were to go ahead and work with we're on a new TV deal, man, it would be phenomenal. Uh, to piggyback you, on that too, um, yeah, I was just going to yeah. piggyback. I completely agree. Um, you mentioned uh, the, I guess the, uh, the uh, the missed opportunity, if you will, of um, a broadcasting network with the MEAC markets, where the markets where the MEAC schools are based. Um, you, yeah. you are looking at somewhat of a different kind of um, market in some of the locales of the SWAC. However, however. I'm going to say, however, one more time. There's something else that the SWAC, <laughs> there's something else the SWAC has had for a long time, forever, that the MEAC never really had. And you know what? No, no. Let me, let me, let me change. Let me not say it that way. I'm going to phrase it a different way. Put simply, the SWAC culturally is different than the MEAC. Yes. Now, Dwayne, Dwayne mentioned the Magic City Classic. You know, who plays in that game? Alabama A&M and Alabama State. Right. Yeah. Really not top-tier teams when you think of the brands of the SWAC. But what cannot be denied is 60,000 people in that stadium. No. And they get it every year. There's only one game in the MEAC that gets anything like that. And that's the Florida Classic. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. but that, that's, that's kind of my point. Is like what Dwayne said. Games of that caliber, um, <clears throat> you know, that connection, that culture, the, the, the magnetism of what goes on when these institutions get together, it, they've always had it. The MEAC has never really had that as a whole, you know. No. Um, sure, you have small you have small programs with small alumni bases and small stadiums, and no, you know, um, they're not going to get to so many over there in itty bitty. But at the same time, itty bitty will travel to the grambling grambling game, you know, um, and that's almost baffling to me. The swag with that culture, with the numbers, the attendance, the enthusiasm, the culture just oozing, something that, could present, that can be presented on a national, shoot, even a regional, but a national broadcasting level. And that has not been able, they have not been able to fully capitalize on that either. To me, that's even more baffling than the, than the MEAC. Sure, they have, sure, they have Bayou Classic, but they also have a whole lot more. Yeah, 
I, I just I'm just solving as a possibility, fellas, because the swag not only they have the brands have the popular classics, and can you imagine? Like if Bethune were to make the move to the SWAT, that gives another in-state Robin family that could be another classic. You have that same classic, Florida classic, and the SWAT to go along with the Bayou classic, the Alabama classic, and everything else. I'm telling you, the SWAT, man, they're still on top of a gold mine bourbon, and they don't even know it. They they don't even know it. I mean, they, well, they, the they one got thing, though, all... about that, yeah. The one thing, unfortunately, about that, though, Scott, is I, I don't see Bethune-Cookman moving over to the SWAC for the same reason why okay. they would probably be leaving the MEAC, which is, of course, because of travel issues. You right, know, the, right. the closest team to them would be uh, Florida A&M and Tallahassee. But once you get outside of that, it becomes a haul for them. It's almost like yes. if, for them going to Alabama, yeah, going to Mississippi and going to Louisiana and going to Texas would be like going to D.C., Baltimore and, and, and Delaware all over. And that is something that they're not going to want to do, which is why, you know, when it was brought up originally, I did not take it, that into consideration. But when I did the research on that and did the numbers on that, travel-wise, it doesn't make sense for them to do that. Now, it's not to say that they, they won't do that. I would say if they were to, it wouldn't be bright. But I wouldn't expect that to happen at all because of the reasons why they're looking to move out of the MEAC, which is why I think that more so than anything else, they would go to the the, the CAC day within the HBCU conference. But if they want to stay D1, that A-Sun would be the, 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 the thing to do on that level. Also, to build on what, uh, what Dwayne said, um, how sure are we really that the SWAC would be that receptive to a second Florida school because that's however many seven other institutions, you know, that's mm-hmm. Florida's trips that just got added to their schedule. You yeah. know, right. Yeah. You know I mean, right, so it, right. it does go both ways. We're talking about, well, fam, you, you know, they didn't want to travel. Yet. It's still 700 miles to Houston. Uh-huh. <laughs> that didn't change in the last right. 30 years when they left the swag. You know, they're not closer <laughs> to Houston than they were last year. Uh, it's the same thing. Right. So, Prairie View, how many times do they want to send their kids to Tallahassee? Exactly. Yeah, so it does right. go both ways. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Um, do they still – this is a dumb question. Please forgive me, Igor. So do they still send their students via bus? Do they not fly? <laughs> I don't know, but it's probably – <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's mainly bus. It's, it's mainly bus. Um, the question enough, is how good uh, is the bus? <laughs> that is the question. That is the question. Now, oddly it's enough, nice um, that bus. Uh, <laughs> now you know there was a whole incident back in 2013 with Grambling. You know, which oh, yeah. made them go ahead and decide to, to to go on their strike for the the rest of that season. But in yeah, the old Tiger Express. <laughs> man, listen. <laughs> and, and that was a 10-hour ride on a bus, insane, and they barely ate. Uh, and I hate to hear that of student-athletes on any level. I don't care who it is. But in a right. conversation with Earl Hilton that he had with the D.C. area alumni um, a couple of weeks ago, he actually broke down how 
say, like, for instance, a basketball team would travel on a bus. And, yeah, I wouldn't want anyone to have to go through what they go through in terms of travel. Matter of fact, um, the Undefeated did an article about Central and their traveling habits. Um, Yeah, I read that. That was very good. If if you want a little bit more insight, take that into into consideration when you're talking about basketball travel, especially during the non-conference portion of your basketball season. That is a lot of wear and tear that these kids have to put on themselves. Now, I will say this. Um, I have seen a couple of MEAC schools travel via plane. Matter of fact, on my flight down to the Celebration Bowl this past December, um, I was going through the, the terminal with uh, Morgan State's uh, women's basketball team. So they were heading somewhere. So, of course, there's some places where they have to fly, but there's just other places where, especially in the SWAC, which is the main reason why I haven't been down to a SWAC championship game yet, is because in most, well, over the past two seasons, it's been in Lornham. And the, 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 the things that you have to there's do. There's no easy way there. <laughs> there's no easy way. Thank you for saying that nicely. Let's just say it. <laughs> thank you for saying that nicely. There's no easy way to get to Lornham, especially at the last minute, trying to figure that out and, and do it cost-effectively with me also flying to uh, to Atlanta the, a week or two later. So, yeah, I'm like, that's that's a lot of stress and strain. For me as media, can you imagine what the, 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 the athletic programs have to go through? So, yeah, it, it, a lot of the places where they play aren't easy places to get to, while some others are. But, um, yeah, the ones that ain't, they really yeah, ain't. That's, they, they really, they, the ones that ain't really ain't. And, and you know, uh-huh. it, 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 it'll, it'll <laughs> beneficial for them to go ahead and have these closer trips via bus now to, to, to do so. So, yeah, I, I'm I'm just waiting to see exactly how Florida A&M handles this come 2021. Well, fellas, we can we only have a few minutes left, and, you know, we'll probably have to tape this online to Facebook, but this has <laughs> been this, – this, we, we could talk about HBCU athletics as a whole, how it's changing for the next – who knows how long? But I'll I'll just say, give you one more question, and Trevor, I'll give you the first crack of the last word. Where do you see CCU athletics as a whole? Challenge the CIAA, the SEAC, uh the MEAC, what's left of the MEAC, as well as the SWAC. Where do you see college, black college athletics as a whole in five to ten more years from now? I, and that's just way too far out for me to project um, with uh, the ramifications of COVID. This is going to set some places back two to uh, yeah. two years, maybe more, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh-huh. especially some of the smaller programs. However, I was considering earlier today, if you look at between um, the, the uh, movement of the MEAC and, um, you know, the financial situations caused by the uh, COVID-19, some of these schools may be in a position to consolidate. Yeah, they're going to lose money because they're not doing activities, but they're not spending money either. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a chance for a lot of these programs to pause and evaluate 
where they are standing and what they think they can do within the next five years. And um, just kind of considering, um, you know, my, my base, my the, the backyard I grew up in was CIAA. Um, yeah. I think that there's Same some here. opportunities for some um, – for some real growth in the CIAA, not necessarily in the way of expansion, but they have to be very careful about how this tournament situation is managed in Baltimore, um, you know, because the reception to that has not been great. On the other hand, how many options do they really have? Um, but, you know, it's kind of a reboot for them. Um, CIAA football has um, improved mightily in the last, Ten years, um, it's re, it's been it's re-energized a lot of those campuses, you know, Bowie, Virginia mm-hmm. State, Union, um, Fayetteville State, uh, even um, even Livingstone. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's it, it, there's been a lot of rejuvenation, getting a lot of interest. You know, as the old old alumni pass along, a lot of the younger alumni are feeling that school spirit and beginning to get more active in supporting these schools. So I, I do think there's some opportunity for the CIAA in particular because that's – I'm just mentioning them because I'm a little more familiar with them – to uh, mm-hmm. if, if you're not really expanding, you're getting more solidified. You're consolidating. You're, um, you, you're kind of setting a foundation for whatever your options are in the next ten, five to ten years. All right, D. What, what's your last word on this? All right. First and foremost, I'm going to say this. I'm not going to reiterate what Previn said. This is the reason why I hang around this dude. This dude is smart. And what they say when you in school, sometimes you got to cheat off, you know, sometimes you just got to cheat off the smart person paper. So that's why I hang around Previn, to cheat off the paper. So he touched on a lot of things, especially as it pertains to the CIAA, that I would have said. Because, you know, I, I go to, I've been going to the CIAA, game over the past couple of years, and I've watched that growth. It's even though it's in a city in which there is no CIAA football, well, there's no CIAA program there, and, and the closest one, God, I can't even think about who the closest program to, to Salem uh, is right now, but that game is growing. Possibly Winston? Probably, possibly Winston, yes, because yeah, they're about maybe two and a half hours away, yeah. If VUL moves up, it'll be them. It would be them if they were to move over, yeah. It would be. But that's that's only if they were to move <laughs> over. Um, but that's a whole other conversation for another time. Um, and, and I was eagerly anticipating what was going to happen in Baltimore, because once again, like Previn said, um, it, it, it is a reboot for them. And uh, even though they were facing a lot of negative backlash, that was the best option for them. You know, the fact that they were capable of getting the arena for free, getting um, the help mm-hmm. for free, getting scholarship money for the institutions, that along with money, yes, yes, along with the money they were getting from the city to <clears throat> have their tournament there. So all I was going to hopefully wait and see was for the fans to realize that hey, Baltimore, it's the wire, but it ain't the wire. So we can go up here and we can party and we can do this. Unfortunately, COVID-19 has kind of ruined it for their inaugural year. Now, with the MEAC, I'm highly concerned about what's going to happen because it seems like the biggest thing for the MEAC, the Celebration Bowl, may or may not be in existence after this season. 
Once again, that's another mm-hmm. thing that's going to end up getting hit because of COVID-19. The attendance is going to probably take a drop if we can't get anything fixed by the end of the year. Now, if they do, people are going to be starved and probably are going to want to go to the game. But I, right now, I'm doubting it. And, and also, like President said to this, would it be that there may be a lot of savings happening within these institutions because they're making cutbacks. Now, the thing is whether or not they're going to go ahead and cut everything back for this upcoming year, not just have savings financially, but have savings for these kids, man. Think about this. I don't, I don't want to be a fear monger in this situation, but this thing hey, is still you? out there. And, and I'm trying to good job, brother, but I only have a few seconds left. <laughs> I got to have a few seconds left. I got to wrap it up. But, but we got to continue this, man. We got to continue this, bro. Again, we can have several parts of this show sprout out throughout, throughout the whole rest of the summer. But uh, this has been great, though. Thank you all. Thank you both, Previn and Dwayne. Y'all are great, man. We got to continue this conversation, brother. Thank you for having me. Take care, me. y'all. No, thank, thanks for having me, All right, me, peace out. Yeah. All right, who you with? So, that's my guy, Dwayne Nash. Please check him out on the ERS HBCU Sports, where it wraps about all things HBCU Sports, as well as Pleasy Riddle every Tuesday night on Facebook Live. And my man, Previn Taylor, as well, for his insight, Bible insight. Thank you for tuning to the podcast. This is Scott Burks. Tune in next week. Oh, six. Until next time. Peace. Hey.